Welcome, adventurers. Certainty can be a strange thing. One might be certain of a thing, while another is certain that that thing is not. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon The wind tugged at his cloak, pulling and pushing it out behind him like a banner. Even in the full afternoon light, it wasn't warm. Ahead of him, the wizard stood shakily and turned back toward him. There were tears formed in the corner of his eyes. Not from the cold air. The young man wore a look of joyous disbelief openly on his face. A pale hand extended out pointing to the remnant piece of a pillar he had just stood before. The symbol we have. It must be here. Orteval barely knew what to do. He too was dumbfounded. Fourteen months ago, he had accepted the charge of what he had presumed to be little more than an escort position for a rich incompetent as repayment of a favor. They had set off on what he would have considered to be a fool's errand, a quest to uncover the truth behind childhood tales and regional folklore. By all rights, this mission should have ended in the way that it started, in utter doldrums and boredom, with him and Snare sharing signed quips about the local ale or odd inhabitants of whatever tavern or bar they had found nearest the latest repository of books or supposed source of secret knowledge Alarion had dragged them to. He had had more belief they would cross paths with the Zorlfus, or find an actual clue to the location of Grandemi's spear than uncover any factual evidence supporting the existence of the Cries de Anandere. Even when the young wizard paid the insane ransom of a price for that tattered book in Borgen, he just presumed the shopkeeper had seen an easy mark and produced some vaguely relevant drivel. He had no faith in Alarion's insistence that they had uncovered something utterly unique and imminently helpful. They had spent another month and a half in Borgen while Alarion had read that particular piece, Roselia only knew how many times over, and spent every other waking moment in any place that might contain even a single piece of written history on the Gimlin Woods. By way of reference, it would take years to read all of the compiled literature in Borgen. And for all Orteval knew, they were going to stay for every one of those years while Alarion read every last word. Near the end of that stay in Borgen, the cleric was considering telling Snare he needn't stay with him any longer, as this adventure hardly required them both. But he found himself fighting reluctance. Despite himself, he was growing fond of the sour little gnome. However, Alarion had surprised them both by saying he wanted to move closer to the Gimlin Woods and search for information there. They had chartered passage in a carriage at Alarion's request. The first leg of their journey had been on horseback. 
The young man was a terrible writer. But he cited his preference to be able to read while they traveled as the reason. At some point, Orteval stopped being amazed at how many times they had to stop the carriage for the mop-headed wizard to climb out and be sick. Orteval had heard stories of people becoming ill due to travel on large bodies of open water, but had never seen anyone do so by traveling over land. Snare had frowned the first time it happened. The sixth time it had occurred, he signed to Orteval. Do you think he has been cursed? Orteval had responded. Cursed? Who's cursed? Him or us? That drew the odd bared teeth grin and wrinkled-eyed laugh that was uniquely snare. Orteval did feel bad for Ilarion. He was a healer and medic by nature. Not having any potions or tinctures with him, he had tried some minor magic. It had worked for a brief spell, but less than an hour after the application, the nausea returned. They wound up staying at each road camp over long, Alarian sleeping late into the morning. Snare and himself had bells of downtime. Orteval read sometimes. Other times he would seek out off-shift trine aegis stationed at the camps and ask if any wished to spar in an attempt to keep his skills sharp. When none could be found or were amiable, he would do what drills he could by himself. He even asked Snare once if he was interested, but the gnome had frowned and then signed. I have no intention of fighting anyone your size face to face. He had taught Snare some of the dice games he used to play to pass the time while soldiering. The blonde-bearded rogue was a quick study, and it wasn't long before Orteval lost the majority of the games they played, even the ones he knew to be pure chance. It didn't take a master-level wizard to figure out the gnome had found a way to cheat. But then that became the new game for Orteval, seeing how the gnome was doing it. It was rare they were on the road more than a bell before midday. They had stayed two extra days in Feld's Crossing on their way to Cumbershall, so that Alarian could keep some food down and recover. Orteval had taken the opportunity to visit a few herbalists and an alchemist to pick up a potion or two and some teas to see if they might help their bookish companion as they continued. After being nearly three months in Borgen to start with, it took them a mind-numbing two weeks to make Cumbershall. As they had grown nearer the city, Orteval perceived a change in Snare. He seemed to be more on his guard, jumpy at times, in contrast to his normal, unflappable indifference. Orteval made no mention of it. He was not one to pry. If the gnome felt like sharing, he was free to do so in his own time. They had spent a little over a month in Cumbershaw, then another week or two in the surrounding areas, tiny villages, and small holdings of farmers and ranchers. Orteval felt truly foolish, being a party to questioning every last thing under soul as to their relative knowledge and understanding of folktales. At this point, he could hear the exact pitch the precise shift of posture when a person went from happy to be swapping tales with a traveler to mild concern and or social discomfort that they were talking to someone playing with less than a full deck of cards. Hundreds of times, eyes had looked past Alarion towards Snare or himself with an unspoken question in them. 
Is your friend okay? Is he serious? Ortoval thought his shoulders might be getting stronger from the number of times he had silently shrugged in response, doing his best to return an expression of both sympathy and apology. Cumbershall and its environs thoroughly canvassed, Alarion had indicated they would head for Perkshire next. It was then that Snare had finally drawn him aside. They had stared at each other for a time, the gnome's fingers unusually fidgety. Clearly he had something to say, but he didn't want to or know how to say it. Finally the gnome had settled on, I'm not going to Perkshire. I have a... It's best if people don't see my face there. Orteval waited to see if there was more to be said. At this point in their relationship, the little thief often held his gaze when they spoke. But in this particular instance, he cast his eyes down. Nothing more was coming. He had told Snare he was thankful for his help to this point, and that he wasn't sure if there were many alive with a disposition to undertake such critical and significant work as this. This had brought the gnome's eyes back up to his. A flat expression and then a sad smile. Orteval gave a half-hearted smile in return. As far as I am concerned, you have met your debt to me. This amount of boredom and embarrassment is a burden I would ask of no one. And then, after a few beats, will you wait for us? Or do we part ways here? Again, a moment of vulnerability crossed the gnome's face, but it was quickly replaced by the closed-off expression. The look of indifference. A week. Two tops. If you are not back by then, I make no promises. And so it was they had rode north from Cumbershaw, just Orteval and Alarion. Orteval was able to talk the young wizard into returning to horseback. For Alarion's sake, he gave the reasoning of faster travel and the hope that it might expedite their trip bringing them back to Cumbershaw in time to retain Snare's services and avoid the hassle of having to find new help. The truth was, as bad as the squirrel-faced man was atop a horse, at least he did not grow sick on a mount. As they had left the lakeside city behind, Orteval felt a pang of sorrow. He would miss the gnome and had no certain feeling Snare would await their return, whether it be in two weeks or two days. It took but a day to reach Perkshire. They slept in a local inn, and for once were up into their business of inquiry at a decent hour. Almost every discussion here ended with the same recommendation. You should talk to the scholar. Orteval was barely surprised by the fact that the scholar had turned out to be the co-owner of the general store. If they were on an adventure, then why shouldn't the shopkeeper be a scholar? Arriving just before midday in front of the store, they had tied off to the hitching post. Moss Trading Co. read the sign over the door. Orteval said he would stay with the horses. Alarion offered no argument and proceeded within. The truth of it was, Orteval didn't have the heart to listen to another conversation about green-skinned druids who lived in the ground. Despite his commitment to the goddess of knowledge, he was growing exhausted with scholarly pursuits, at least this particular one. Orteval had expected the young wizard to be in the store a quarter bell. 
maybe a half. He couldn't have been more wrong. As a bell's time approached, he stepped up and peered into one of the windows. His stomach sank. Besides Alarion's book, there were four others stacked on the counter, which stood between his scholar and the town scholar. Orteval ran his hands through his hair, holding his head tight for a few beats. He blew out a large breath and let his hands fall to his side. Nothing to be done but to wait. He sat some, paced some, calmed the horses when they grew impatient, all the while watching the town pass up and down the street. Customers came and went, drawing a small shake of the head every time, as Orteval knew every interruption equaled more time. Occasionally carts clattered up and down the street. One was driven by a young brown-haired woman. She gave him a curious look as she passed. From his observations, loitering wasn't widely practiced, and he was sure in a town as small as this, strangers often drew attention. He did his best to put on a friendly smile and nod. She smiled and nodded back before turning down a street just past the store. He had been pondering telling Alarion he was headed back to the inn, because how much trouble could the wizard get into in a general store? When the front door opened outward, Roselia's blessing, he had thought to himself, at last. But it was not Alarion. It was the young woman from the cart. She seemed a tad confused by the gambit of emotions that ran over his face. Relief into disappointment recovered quickly into cautious courtesy. They both opened their mouths to speak at the same time. Both saw that they were doing so and stopped. Orteval had dipped a quick nod and held his hand out in a you-go-first gesture. She had laughed and then spoke. Am I wrong to assume you belong to the talkative one in there? He smiled. You are not wrong. And how long is it that you've been sitting here? She inquired. Orteval's eyebrows raised. Too long? He said, forming it as a question. The woman laughed again. Well, I apologize for my father. It is not often he gets to talk to any outside of the town. Orteval's eyebrows went higher still. Your father? It was I who was going to apologize for Alarion and his nonsense. She laughed again. It was a good laugh. An honest laugh. What nonsense is this? He swallowed. The Cries de Anandere. Gods, what an embarrassment. Her face became curious. Is your friend a bard? A storyteller? Orteval considered a longer response, but then settled on. More of a researcher. She looked at him for a few beats. Is he writing a book? Who knew, Orteval had thought. Maybe he would one day. Yes, a book. Ah, she said, the last response seeming to appease her curiosity, then a look of concern. Well, that being the case. She turned and went back into the store. Odd, he thought, but it was but a bar before the woman had returned. She had handed him a plate with a chunk of bread, cheese, and dried fruit, along with a wood tankard filled with water. After handing those off, she had turned and took a few steps toward their horses. 
Reaching into a vest pocket, she pulled out two lumps of sugar, putting one in each hand and offering them up to the agitated creatures. She spoke back over her shoulder to him. I hate to say it to someone who has been here too long already, but if your friend is an author, then it could be a very long time still before he comes back. This is too kind, Orteval had said, setting the plate down and reaching for his pouch. What do I owe you? She smiled, brushing her slobbered hands off on her apron. Please, no need. Consider it compensation for your suffering, she said as she turned back toward him. As I said, it is not often my father gets company as interesting as your friend. She had come then to stand just before him. I have to get back to work, but you're welcome to sit on the front porch or come inside. Either way. I was thinking I might head back to the inn, let the horses walk a bit, and then get them out of their saddles, he said in response. Would you do me one more kindness and let Alarion know I have gone? She nodded. Easy enough. And then, with a smile, she held out her fist. It was nice to meet you. Orteval, he said. He raised his fist, pressing the back of his hand against hers. She had been so kind, he had completely forgot to introduce himself. Nice to meet you, Horteval. I'm Hesed. As her hand had dropped, his vision followed it for a beat, and his eyes were caught by the necklace she wore. Not really a necklace at all, but a silver ring tied on a simple brown leather cord. A silver ring he had seen eleven others, just like. Coincidence? It's best if people don't see my face there. Unlikely. Orteval had unhitched the horses and walked them down the street, pondering his odd life and what might have transpired here with a certain gnome in the small woodland town. In what cold and windy place do Valerian and Orteval stand? How did they get there? And what is it that Valerian believes they have found? Stay tuned next week for part two of The Fool's Errand That Nearly Changed the World. Hello, one and all. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I did just want to mention really quick, there are a couple callbacks in this episode. There's a mention of a book purchased in Borgen. It's a callback all the way to season one, episodes 10 and 11, Fishy Business. So if you want to remember what happened with that book and the purchase and the circumstances around it, head back and get there. And then as we end this episode, uh, we have reference to a Snare in the town of Perkshire, and some wondering of what may have transpired there. And you may or may not remember, back from season three, episodes 41 through 44, the influence of virtue. So just wanted to say, in this tale, there is a callback to two different stories that have already been told. So if you wondered or needed a refresher, uh, zip back to those episodes and check them out. Uh, thanks for that, and hope you all are having the best of days, and I will see you next week. <laughs>